I'm really going to need to like get over my fear of guns and get over my fear of like, you know, pull-ups <laughs> and uh, like these people are hardcore. What's a pull-up? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> You're joking. No. What's a, like a diaper? Hey there, I'm Jordan. And I'm Nick. We're just two regular guys who love talking about film. And now we'd like to talk to you. We decided to break down our discussions into three parts. Because everyone loves a gimmick. We discuss our expectations for a film before we watch it. That's take one. We give our immediate thoughts following the film. That's take two. And finally, we research the film at length to prepare for an informed and in-depth discussion. And that's take three. So if you love film even half as much as we do, join in on the conversation. This is take three, a movie podcast. Take one. So, 10th episode. That's like, that's a milestone, I think. 10 episodes, yep. Yeah, I'm pretty proud of that. Uh-huh. Which one has been your favorite? Oh, that's so tough. Let me pull up the Take 3 Instagram page, which very <laughs> beautifully uh, <laughs> uh, displays all of the episodes that we've done. It also highlights the fact that you can't remember the 10 <laughs> episodes we've done. No, I can't. I just I can I can. It's just that I. It, it helps to have a picture so I can like kind of eliminate the ones that I was not the biggest fan of. Gotcha. Um, I think my favorite movie to watch and discuss was probably Interstellar. Same. But I think that The Matrix was like a banging episode. That episode was a great episode. I really liked that one too. I think yeah. my my favorite for. Obviously, my favorite movie we've watched is Halloween and being able to sort of go through and uh, talk about the first Halloween and H2O and the new one. That was pretty, yeah. I mean, I wrote seven pages of notes <laughs> and I didn't really do any research. I just wrote it from my knowledge of like my my intense fandom of that of that franchise. I was super duper excited. I, I love that episode. And that was also like one that we were rushing to get out by Halloween. So I think it would the turnaround of like shoot or like recording it, editing it and releasing it was like six days. It was, that was, that was a, and that was like an hour and a half long. So I thought I was pretty proud of that one too. But yeah, Yeah. we've had some good ones and some bad ones. (laughs) Solo. Stop. No, I'm just kidding. I wound up liking Solo. I think that, We've got a good set of movies here, and mm-hmm. as a joke, we thought, okay, what's a movie that has the number 10 in it to celebrate the fact that we have 10, 10 episodes? And our friend Stacy beautifully came up with... <laughs> 10 Things I Hate About You. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Stacy. Yeah, we, we're so excited. <laughs> no, um, 10 Cloverfield Lane. <sighs> Let me explain my excitement (laughs) for this movie can i tell you oh my god i saw this in theaters a couple times and it it is in my top five favorite movies of all time it's probably number like two or three this is i am so so excited to do this movie so for sure so excited it is such a solid movie it's so great i'm i'm a, a person that really liked the first one i remember showing you the first one and it was so 
like seeing it on the big screen and not having any idea because for the for those of you who don't know this first one came out they just released this trailer of something attacking new york or attacking some city i guess well yeah I, we knew new york because you could see the statue of liberty but the head yeah yeah but like it was it didn't even have a title it said like i think it was like 11808 or something close to that um mm-hmm. whenever the whenever the movie was released and we were like, what was that? You know, and they <laughs> didn't really find out like what the title was or what, what was going on until very close to the movie. And there was so much mystery surrounding it. And it wound up being, you know, the fact that it was a found footage movie, mm-hmm. you know, watching it now kind of makes me a little nauseous. But uh, <laughs> back then I was like, this is so cool. You know, what a cool thing. And it's definitely my favorite found footage movie to this day. Then eight years later, uh, you we get a trailer for a movie that we have no idea. It just looks like John Goodman and Mary Elizabeth Winstead in a bunker somewhere, and you don't know exactly what's going on. And then it's like, oh, this is really kind of a cool movie. Title card comes up, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Eight years later, we get a, a, a sequel to a movie that we had no idea about. And and then it's like, oh, it's coming out in a month. Like, it's it's not it's not like six months out. It's not four months out. It'll be out next month. Yeah. Like, that was huge, you it, know? I, yeah, 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 yeah. And then the third one. <laughs> oh, my God. So the third one. Yeah. Well, like, okay. So the third one we had, we had heard about was getting sold from Paramount to go to Netflix. Which honestly should have been a warning, but uh, <laughs> it was it was it was sold to Netflix, and we thought, okay, uh, they're re- they're going to release this movie sometime in April. Netflix will, and everyone was like, oh, we're going to get a trailer the night of the Super Bowl. The night of the Super Bowl comes around. We should have known better. This genius market strategy that this franchise always seems to use. It's available right after the game. So, of course, everybody's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. This movie is just available right now that we didn't know about. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? First time you ever see a trailer, the movie's available that night. They've always done a really, really great job of sort of like setting the hype for these movies and making mm-hmm. them um, sort of events. And while I love the first one, I think the second one is near perfect. I, th- I more than love it. And the third one is a huge letdown. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think the first one was I, I enjoyed it. Like it was, it was fine. But then I saw the second one and kind of made the first one. I like the first one less because of the second one. Maybe. It's like it pales in comparison, even though they're yeah. so different. It's just like, and I, I can't, I can't think that you can even call it a sequel. Um, I love the fact that it's, it's these different things these different stories that are happening around the same event, which I love. Um, I love the bizarre kind of marketing for this. It's incredible. It's, it's different and new and unique. And I think after the second one came, everyone sort of caught on and now everyone, not everyone, but the people interested are like sleuths and we're trying to figure out like, Oh, this movie's called so-and-so maybe it's the next Cloverfield yeah. movie. And everybody that thought that, that overlord would in release back in like October or November of this, of 2018 um, overlord, which is also produced by JJ Abrams. We thought that was definitely going to be a Cloverfield movie. And when it wasn't, I was like, Oh, I don't really care to see it anymore. Yeah. Apparently it's really good, but <laughs> yeah, you really could have done that movie a lot of good. Cause it flopped and 
That's yeah, it didn't do well. And um, it if you just stuck the word Cloverfield on, you know, Cloverfield anything, I, people would have watched it. Because, like, Cloverlord. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that this franchise is, like, the sort of anthology movie franchise there's i don't there's none other one or there's no other one around right now you know what i mean like yeah like yeah. sure anthology is huge on television right now mm-hmm. but it's, it's like you could you could call the marvel movies anthology movies like they're all connected in some way i mean even some stephen king uh, books are related in some way but like this one feels so different i think it's because it's not like it's not like oh we're gonna hide these little easter eggs to show that like these movies are related like it, it's it's pretty plain that it's, it's pretty uh obvious that they're all kind of they just revolve around the same event but the stories are so different like yeah. they, they're completely different styles yeah. and and feels to them i don't know a better word than feels but they just they could be from completely different directors. I, I mean, were they, were they all are, three of them J.J. Yeah. Abrams? So the first one was directed by Matt Reeves. This one we're doing now is directed by uh, Dan Trachtenberg. The third one was released by like a pretty much newcomer named Julius Ona. And I, I really – I'm not a huge fan of the the third one. And, and see, that's one of the reasons why is I felt like they I – I think it would have benefited from not really trying to – overtly connect itself to the first two and for me it's not that they all relate around the same event like i don't feel like like the people in the first one and the people of the second one you know cloverfield and 10 cloverfield lane are dealing with the exact same alien invasion but the fact that they are dealing with aliens and dealing with an alien invasion is what appeals to me you know because like the aliens are different they try to sort of explain it in the third one. It just doesn't, it just gets too complicated. If you just look at this movie as like single movies and they're just all about alien invasions, that's good enough for me. Mm, I mean, well, okay. It has, it gives you an opportunity to just focus on like telling that story. Right. And I think that's why, I think that's why I loved the second one. And I mean, so far it's one out of three for me, but I don't know. Yeah, I guess it doesn't, I don't know. I think I just so blindly love this movie that like I'm kind of jaded, I guess. I don't know. Do you think that the um, the poor reception of the third one is going to affect any chance of them continuing the series? Oh, no, I certainly don't. And, and I've heard word that the goal, the next one, the goal is to do something that's more of a much closer sequel to the first one, which... Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's sort of just, it just, it, to me, it reeks of like, we don't know what we're doing. You know, it's like, I, I think if you just stuck to this formula of let's take a movie or let's take a story and have it just take place during an alien invasion, like this movie has such little to do with that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And again, that's why I love the second one. Um, I, I think, the formula is the fact that there is no formula. Like the, the movies are all so different. Um, I guess then to me, it would all depend on the director, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I, um, I know that some people might not like this, but for this franchise, I think this would be a great idea. Find, go out and find spec scripts, people that just write, basically a spec script is like a script that um, a writer would 
would write not under like contract, basically like someone isn't asking you to write this. Someone's not hired you to write this script. You're just writing a script and hoping you can get it seen by the right person and made into something. That's basically what a spec script is. Can this be by like anyone or yeah. like specifically like Hollywood movie writers? Well, just anybody. I mean, anyone. If, if, if you're a Hollywood movie writer and you have that sort of title, then any script you write is going to get seen by someone. Yeah. yeah but yeah. like it, say if it was you and you just wrote this banging script and you were shopping it around, it would be content. It, it would it would be considered a spec script. And gotcha. what I think what would be a good idea for them to do is to entertain looking at those scripts, looking at scripts that are individual stories and taking ones and thinking, Hey, how can we sort of mold this a little bit to fit into our universe? This movie takes place in and around a alien invasion. That's all we need for it to be a Cloverfield movie. It doesn't yeah. have to relate to that big giant monster that destroyed the city. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's, that to me, you know, them them saying, oh, we, we need to make a, a direct sequel or in, in Cloverfield 3, you know, the monster showing up to the end. To me, that just feels like, oh, we need something recognizable to tie these all together so they'll make more money. And it's like, yeah. no, just the Cloverfield name. It's just like what to me before this third one came out, it just meant quality. You know what I mean? <laughs> I just knew that I would like these movies and, you know, until the third one came out. I liked yeah. one and I really liked two. And I'm really excited to talk about this next one i think we should probably get started if you are yes i want to i want to right now yeah i'm ready i'm ready i want to let's do it okay take two i just adore that movie yeah 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 it is a great one i just love it i just love it so much <laughs> can we talk about mary elizabeth winstead really quick honestly probably the top reason why i love this movie i love her and everything that she's in she kills it i love her i love her i love her i know i mean she's she's done a lot of different things but for a while there she was like a legit scream queen i mean she'd been yeah. in a lot of like horror thriller movies and i mean i i'm super into that stuff so like i think i guess in my late teenage years to early this movie came out in 2016 I first fell in love with her when I saw her in um, Scott Pilgrim. She stole my heart in that movie. Um, but then she was in uh, this one, obviously, and I think the the Thing remake. She was she was yeah, in that one. She's too, in the Thing she? remake. She was in Black Christmas. She was in obviously Final Destination Three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's yep. in. I mean, she's just in a lot of like genre type movies. You know, she's in Death Proof. Mm-hmm. Just a ton of movies that Nick, you know, has a very large spot in his heart for, you know, <laughs> and I, I was, I was always like really excited to see her. I, mean, I still am. Yeah. I still yeah, am. Yeah. I know that like the newest project that she signed on for is the, the Birds of Prey movie with Harley Quinn. She's the huntress, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I'm like super excited for that. Like you, uh -huh. some people are like, "Oh, you know, I don't know how that movie's gonna be," but I'm like, I don't really care because I know that Mary Elizabeth Winstead is gonna turn it out. Yeah, and if like if Margot Robbie isn't a pull for that movie already, like yeah. I have a backup. Like it's gonna be God. That's 
I'm, I'm eager to see where that movie goes to. But yeah, I can't believe I forgot Final Destination. That was actually the first movie that I saw her in. Um, and Final Destination was actually one of the first horror movies I'd ever seen. I had not seen any of the other Final Destination movies. But after having seen those, number three is still my favorite. It's still, like, I think the best one. I just watched it the other day. I told you about how I... Yeah. <laughs> they're, like, they all just popped up on Netflix, or at least at least uh, I just sort of noticed them, um, at mm-hmm. least the first couple. And I was like, oh, wow, yeah, the third one, it's not my favorite, but it is the one that I think I go back and watch the most. It's Which one is your favorite? I know we're not two. watching. Yeah. Okay. No, uh, Final Station Two. It's just so different. It it feels like there's more to it because everybody is so different, and uh, it's not. Yeah, it's not it's just not like so high school formulaic. Students. I think the yeah, third one yeah. falls into the pitfall of like, okay, her and Ryan Merriman go here, and someone dies, and then they go here, and someone dies, and then yeah, they that's go true, here. That's true. But like, I think it all just to say that really is she's always a shining point in. And everything she's in, and I'm surprised that she doesn't have a you know much much larger career. I think what she should do, and I'm, I'm I mean it's easy to say this because you know it seems like a no brainer, but obviously it's a lot harder to do. But you know, focus on maybe just doing more smaller budgeted and like indie type movies. And I really think she's a quality enough actress to get some awards recognition or awards buzz around her. Oh my God. I would love that because she does. She definitely has, she, she had that like ingenue thing going on and she was definitely working primarily. It felt like again in like horror movies and sci-fis and thrillers and things like that. And they're just, you know, historically not very, um, accepted into the award scene. I really think she can do it. I didn't see Fargo. Do you watch the Fargo TV show? Was she in the TV show? I think, okay, so Fargo is one of those ones where it's an anthology. We were talking about anthologies. Yeah. She's in like season yeah. three, I believe. I Okay, so I've seen the movie, loved it. I saw the first season, loved it. Um, I feel like I caught a couple episodes of the second. I don't think I saw the third, though. You know what? There might not even be a third. Again, I, I have never seen the television show, but she's in one of the seasons. Yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> um, but like, I didn't know that. That makes me want to watch it now. <laughs> yeah, I just I want her to do really good, and I want her to be, you know, somebody who has a great career because, yeah, you know, I don't want to put her on this level because it's it's hard to put anybody on such a level, but like. What what we could be what we could be witnessing is like, you know, someone like Jamie Lee Curtis. I mean, you know, that got her start and in horror, and then maybe took you know a break from it and had like a really illustrious, successful career. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm really hoping that that is where she's headed. You know, or even see, I almost. Maybe even like a instead of like a scream queen, but like a like a sci-fi queen, and took the route that um, like Sigourney Weaver took. Yeah, that like I could, I would, I would love that as yeah. well. That is a great point. I absolutely love Sigourney Weaver. Like any of these people that we could put her in, I just don't want her to fade away. Yeah, no, any of these yeah. categories, you know, that would work. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I just. I, I adore her and I, I adore this movie. I think it, it, 
I always say this. I probably say this too much, but whenever this movie comes up, I always have to bring up like this movie makes you question whether or not John Goodman is actually crazy or if he is actually telling the truth. And my favorite thing about this movie is the answer you find out is both. Yeah. Like it is both. It's not like there's like that kind of is the twist of the movie because this whole movie, it's not even about aliens until the very like last 10 mm-hmm. minutes. It's, 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 is this guy, can we trust him? Can she trust him? And I feel like it's just hills and valleys the whole time. It starts off like he's kind of crazy and then you meet Emmett and like maybe your fears are a little bit extinguished because he's like, oh, you know, he's, I helped him build this thing. And I, you know, I, yeah. um, I, I, you know, we, we, we did this together and, uh, and then you see the woman who is, you know, got her skin burnt and everything. And that was sort of Michelle's wake up call. She's like, God, he's telling the truth. And that's when everything kind of just like everyone just takes a breather and then it starts the montage of them doing the puzzle. And it's like, okay, like this is, this is her life now. This is, she's got to accept this because you know, she trusts this guy. Yeah. And then shit hits the fan again. It's like, it does. Oh yeah. So like, you sort of think he's acting like really weird. And then you just realize, like, think about it, like, okay, so he's a doomsday prepper. Yeah. And so <laughs> right then, I mean, like I have the utmost respect for people that, you know, do that type of stuff uh, just because like good for them. Maybe they'll survive mm-hmm. whatever inevitably happens to us. But like, you can be like, Oh, okay. Maybe that's why he's a little quirky. You know what I mean? And like John Goodman's <laughs> performance is so great and i will say uh, we need to talk about john goodman because Mm -hmm. i he is the type of actor that you can just like have like be in like a supporting role and he will steal the show i i think he is so great in pretty much everything i've ever seen him in i am a i i gotta say this i was a huge dan connor fan i still am i (laughs) And and when we switched over and now, you know, it's not Roseanne, it's the Connors. I'm still a a avid viewer and I love him and he can carry that show on his back and he's so talented. And I think, again, it's he is just a working actor. He is someone who I hope gets the recognition from awards before he not that he's I think he's going to die anytime soon or anything like that. But before his death, I think he deserves recognition because he has been a working actor who has delivered amazing performances and it has just received in in my eyes just not enough recognition he is underrated as hell i i'd agree he's so talented and he's such a presence on screen in this movie where we were watching it and both of us were just like oh my god we are so uncomfortable he is so scary (laughs) and he's just sitting there looking at emmett and like We've seen this before, so we know what happens to Emmett. But, mm-hmm. like, it's just like, but, like, I mean, thinking about we have seen it before, so we know Emmett's safe up until that point, and he's just looking at him, and I'm like, oh my God, like, oh, <laughs> I hate that. And, yeah, and it's it's so weird because there was even a point, like, when we very, when we first saw him, um, I, like, you know, having seen the movie and knowing what happens, I saw the, the introduction again when he, when, like, she first wakes up. And I remember commenting like, uh, like I'm not sure that they did this correctly because like he's very much 
starting off like a creep. Like I, I know, yeah. I remember thinking like, Oh, like is he, or is he not? And then he started off, but then, but then you get to know his character more and you're like, Oh, this is totally on brand for him. Yeah. Like he, he completely feels like they owe him something. Like he's completely justified in his actions this whole time. And honestly, like up until you realize that he's, you know, a murderer, <laughs> they do owe him. And it's like, it is like, like you guys are freaking plotting against this guy who is like, saved you even if john goodman purposefully hit her and took her off the road and took her down still saved her life like no 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 i I think i disagree with you there because like okay you intentionally put someone in danger like he hit her he did not like pull up beside her and tell her to pull over and say this just happened I have a bunker. Let's go. He hit this woman with the intention of abducting her. And when they're in the room, she's like, please let me go. He should have at least, Hey, I saved your life, but like, he kidnapped her. Like she is. No, a of prisoner. course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And kidnapping isn't good. Everyone that this is, this is a, this is me um, saying I not for kidnapping or abduction. <laughs> you know, you heard it here, but I'm just saying like he did save her life. Because if he hadn't have done that, she'd have been dead. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, in his eyes, in his in his thought process, like, he sees it as, you know, these two people, he, he saved their lives. So even if, if he really, if even if he knows, like, he did this on purpose, he still but saved her. He didn't even give her, like, a choice. It wasn't even... It was it was one hundred percent against her will. Yeah, but I can't imagine that most people would be like, "Oh, I don't want to go into your bunker because there's aliens outside." Okay, can we can we talk about these freaking aliens? They are not <laughs> the Cloverfield alien. They are not Clovey or whatever they call him. He's you know they're not mountain. You know they're like oh that's right it was like a, or anything. He was a giant like, one, and yeah. he was even he's even supposed to be the baby. So like. We don't even know. You actually see what's supposed to be the mother in Cloverfield 3. You remember at the end of vaguely Cloverfield yeah, yeah. 3? That's a terrible movie. I don't care that I'm spoiling it for you. Don't watch it. It will make you like these <laughs> movies less because they're all attached apparently. Honestly, yeah, yeah. Um, I think – I see. but like there were multiple types of aliens in the first one, right? So there were like, like the big guy and then – uh, those little things, the one that got, oh, what is her name? Lizzie Kaplan. Do you remember that death in the first one where like, they're the, the ones Spoiler in the sewer? Alert. If you oh, haven't shit. seen it. Oh yeah. Okay. Oops. Um, so yeah, this is a spoiler for Cloverfield one. I really hope that you guys have seen these movies. You should, I would, I would recommend seeing the first two. Like yeah, they, they were decent great. movies. Uh, yeah. But like, okay. Do you remember when that particular person, like goes behind the the screen and you see like them like explode. Oh yeah, yeah, oh my that, yeah. That God, that was like the. It was just so. It just happened so fast, and I was like, oh my god. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So there are multiple aliens. I think going back into this movie, I kind of got scared because I was like, ah. Oh. Cause this could be really cheesy. Like I know what's happening, and I don't remember it this way. But like, oh, I don't know if all this is necessary. And then it happens, and I'm like, no, this is still terrifying. Like, when the explosion went off and it caught the attention of the spaceship, like, I, it, it brought me back to um, 
my very I would consider my very first horror movie that I've ever seen was um and this isn't really even considered a horror movie but it was War of the Worlds <laughs> it could be um, horror to some people yeah it that movie to, still to this day terrifies it is me scary. That, that is it is a, I think it's a wonderful movie I think I might be in the in the minority with you're that. talking about Steven Spielberg's yes yeah, Steven Spielberg's yeah. with uh, Tom Cruise and Dakota Fanning that is a, another one of my favorite movies um I'll watch that anytime it's on but it was sort of like it's, this feeling of panic this this like helpless panic that 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 just gets to me and it like it surprised me when I saw it again I was like yeah. oh no this is still really like creepy and crazy yeah <sighs> for sure one thing I'll say that like looking back on it uh, having watched the promotional materials for this movie the shot of the spaceship coming over the the house is in the yeah. trailer and it's like, a, wow, that sort of gives it away. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't recall the trailer to be honest. Yeah. But, um, so, like the, I, the the trailer that that we you and I are both like that will always be one of our favorite trailers is the I think we're alone now trailer yeah. when they're like all in the bunker and you have no idea that this is Ten Cloverfield Lane and it just yeah. like you're just like oh they're in a bunker like what's going on and then it's Ten Cloverfield Lane. This is the follow up that came out right. But I guess like maybe right before the movie and gotcha. it has that one shot in it and it's like. But can we talk about that one shot and how it, to me it felt like a like a comic book cover or a comic book scene or something. It's got like those those rays of green like yeah. alien green light coming off of this like old old farm field like this random house out in the field that just it was so – Oh, just everything about this movie is so good. <laughs> the, so the cinematography in this movie is just so amazing. We were talking about how they had that scene where it basically cuts between Michelle and Emmett talking about their regrets. And they're both in – well, she's in her room and he's out in the hallway. And he's in front of like a blue sort of background and she's – in front of her pink and it's almost like you know like when when you're you know a kid and like you're very young they sort of associate blue with boys and pink with girls and and in that in that sense you can sort of take that as like oh that means that they're sort of functioning as children in this and you had made the comment about when Emmett ultimately gets killed is him sort of stepping out in front of her and being like, Hey, yeah. I'm, I'm protecting her. He's yeah. the older brother. Right, right, right. There was, I feel like that's, that's also why I love this movie so much is that there's so, there's so many smaller things that are, that kind of tie in this bigger story that, that you'd miss if, if you weren't really like paying close attention to it. And like, it was very clearly a, a reason why they were telling those stories and and yeah we come to find out that like Emmett pretty much took the the big brother role that she was talking about which makes it heartbreaking it, it's it's like oh my god like here it is again she's going through this all over again where mm -hmm. someone's you know taking the the brunt force for her yeah and you it's it sucks because like it, during that scene you realize that like he particularly never really got to achieve what he wanted to because he was afraid he let fear sort of like stop him from from succeeding and then this one thing that he sort of he saw someone else using fear in a sort of positive manner i mean sure he winds up being like a killer but like howard uses you know his fear to make him say okay i'm gonna build this bunker i'm gonna 
you know, basically I'm going to take my fears of the world and throttle that into like building something that's going to defend me from them. Mm-hmm. That's pretty, that's a, that's a kind of a cool contrast. Back yeah. to like, to like just the cinematography, this guy, his name is Jeff Cutter. He's the cinematographer. He did the cinematography for like Orphan is a movie you would know. That <gasps> I love that movie. They did. Too. I really, that's a great one. And oh, um, I love that movie. It's just the fact that like you can really, I mean, this is, this is, this is, not, it's not, you know, um, it's not singular to this movie or any other movie. It's, it's almost a universal thing. But a good cinematographer will use like camera placement and lighting and color to really not only tell a story, but to add subtle nuance and subtext to the story. Mm-hmm. And it, what that the the cut back and forth shot where they're both in their rooms like really got me. I was like, that is such a cool. <laughs> it's something I never really noticed before. Mm-hmm. I do take issue that the that this man who John Goodman's a big guy. I'm not sure why he would put a uh, sort of reset button, you know, uh, somewhere where only a tiny woman could reach it. Well, maybe like because we know this mystery woman. I forget her name. Was it like Brittany or something? The one who Megan? he claimed was his daughter. Well, he said it was Megan, but then Emmett was like, that's not Megan. Oh, yeah. She okay. went missing. I don't I'm not sure. We can call her Brittany. That's fine. Brittany. <laughs> Good enough. Um, I mean, maybe he assumed that he would like always have – maybe that's why he kidnapped – that's a good point. That's a good point. We could use her anytime, you know, he, they needed to do that. He could send her up there. Mm-hmm. He's, yeah, because he seemed to know exactly what to do. Like, hey, you got to go up there. I mean, and we know this now, but clearly he's done that before. Like, he sent up Brittany and she <laughs> sent a sign ah, and left her earring. So, totally great point. That sort of like yeah. negates my problem. <laughs> and it's that's another thing that I love about this movie. They have these very subtle things that if you aren't paying attention, you'll miss. Like in the very, very beginning, she takes that bottle of alcohol with her and it ends up saying saving her life yeah. in the end, in the very last like five minutes of the movie. And I love it. I just I love it. Yeah, I totally agree. And like you think about like the guy that directed this, you would not Dan Trachtenberg, he's like barely directed anything. Like he had done like a, a TV episode and some short films. This was like his first feature movie, Dan Trachtenberg, and he's like actually really. I thought he, I thought he did a really good job, and like to go in and and have to be to go in and be able to tell you know a such a a personal story with these just few little characters. Like that's a great first project for someone. I think yeah. that you know so yeah. often you see these people come in and, and it's like, oh, this is my first movie. And it's like some big, like $150 million movie. And I'm like, why? <laughs> you know, it's like, you don't, you shouldn't cut your teeth on stuff like that. But this was something yeah. where it's like, you know, JJ Abrams or whoever, you know, the, was the one that wound up hiring this guy was like, Hey, we see something in you and you get to come on and, and cut your teeth on something that clearly, I mean, it couldn't have had, but so big of a budget, you know what I mean? Well, yeah. And I mean, we were kind of, <laughs> you said to me, you wanted to wait till the end just to be able to see like a block of five names from the yeah. cast. Cause there really wasn't a lot of people in here. And I'm sure that that 
really saves on oh, cost yeah. is oh, having yeah. such a small gas. And, so. and I mean, like, you know, small locations mm-hmm. that you can pretty much light something and keep it lit because you're going to shoot there. It's not, you know, there's, you're not shooting out on location a lot. I mean, right, right. It's the, I'm sure obviously the most expensive part is the last like five, 10 minutes of the movie. Um, <laughs> Yep. But, and, you know, like Dan Trachtenberg, you know what he also wound up going on to direct? What? Playtest, the Black Mirror episode with the... Remind me which one that is. So that is with, what is it? Is it the, it the video game one, the horror one where he's in the haunted house? Yes, absolutely. Oh, awesome. Yep. So that... Interesting. So I am obsessed with Black Mirror. You know that, right? Like, this is... Oh, I know that, yes. Yeah. I've seen... Every episode, like a thousand times. I'm a huge, huge, huge fan. And I love it when they have directors that I know of and that are, are familiar to me. And that was one of them. I remember seeing Playtest and being like, whoa, I know this guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dan Trachtenberg. And it's like. Was he on all that? Who am I thinking of? It's Dan Somethingberg. I have no idea. Yes, you do. And I'm going to say the name and you're going to be like, oh, yeah. All that. <laughs> Dan something or something something Berg. All that cast. Danny Sandberg or something like that? Something. No, it's not Andy Sandberg. Danny. Danny Tamborelli. Okay, so it's Lori Beth Danberg and Danny, Danny Tamborelli. Okay, so maybe not. That <laughs> was wrong with you. Is he on all that? No, he's a director. Yeah, I. I Cannot wait to learn anything and everything that I can about this movie. You know, one thing that I actually do want to research that I'm looking forward to, it's not necessarily like about movies or about the specific movie, but I really want to look into Doomsday Preppers because that's really like <laughs> as as anxious and as like paranoid as some people are and as anxious as I can get. I don't want to I don't know if I'm paranoid or yet I try to not think about things like that. But like, uh, I don't, I I cannot blame someone for being like, oh yeah, the world's going to go to hell. Let me prep for that. Listen, okay. In today's political climate, it's, I would not be surprised. Like, yeah, I've considered it myself. I don't understand like why I, if I had the resources and the land to do it, why wouldn't you? Yeah. I just feel like why not have that that little tiny bit of exactly hope or like preparation. I just think that like for some people it's it is a matter of like I, I'm not gonna spend all my money on something that I may never use. But it's like yeah. you know, you'd be glad if you Yeah. You yeah. know, if it if you ever need it, it's like something that you know would you rather wish you had it or you know wish you would prep for something i mean i wish i had one yeah like just yeah. to say that i have and like just in case like, yeah why, why absolutely not? But, although i you know i it, this particular one looks like he spent hundreds of thousands of dollars <laughs> on it and <laughs> i don't have hundred thousands of dollars to well, well, I think spend on something like that but i think his was a hybrid survival cave and also like a place to kidnap and yeah. abduct. Yeah. Victims, so. And it's, it, it, it's just, uh, it, it, 
to me, these people get like crazy, like, or they get like a bad rap. They get labeled crazy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know if this is even true, but I could just see it like on like a TLC show, like yeah. Doomsday Preppers. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> and it's just like, I don't, I, I think it's valid to me because, I mean, especially nowadays. Yeah. Truly, I mean, not, truly. not like, I don't want to like freak anyone out, but you know, you're probably already freaked out. <laughs> you know, this was just a movie that sort of played on a bunch of different fears that someone can have because mm-hmm. obviously oh my God, yeah. you, the idea of being abducted and held against your will, mm-hmm. the idea of having that succumb to, or having that, turn into a situation where you're having to worry about getting murdered. You know, it looks like phobia, alien invasions. It's yeah. Yeah. And it just, it turns, it just, it turns into one after the other. It escalates. Mm -hmm. And I know this, we had talked about like, you had said like, Oh, I don't necessarily remember it being like a sexual, like a sexual threat. And Mm -hmm. I just, after he murders Emmett and John Goodman shaves his beard and cut and swicks his hair yeah. back and brings in ice cream. I was like, John Goodman is about to rape that's, you. Like, well, that's- here's so I, I do want to clarify. I had completely forgotten that they that like I knew the whole thing with his daughter. I had forgotten that the picture that he showed Michelle wasn't actually his daughter. So to yeah. me, it, it, it didn't seem sexual because it didn't seem like he would want to have sex with his daughter. I think maybe he might've had like a crazy obsession or maybe he was just angry that she was taken away from him and needed, maybe he needed to have um, that missing spot in his life filled somehow. I, to me, it was more paternal rather than like crazy psycho. No, I can, I can totally understand that. And like for, for part of the movie, you can't, I mean, it also feels that way. It, it, well, not even just part of it, but like sprinkled throughout because when he can't call her a woman, he can't, he can only say girl yeah, always, and princess. Or princess. Yeah. 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 So he doesn't see her as a grown up woman. And it's like, that makes it even creepier that they, that he was gonna, you know, try yeah. to move, put the moves on her. So this is, this is a movie that's going to, I think we're going to have a very interesting conversation about because we haven't even gotten into the fact that like, that the, you know, at its, not at its core, I guess. Like, like at, ultimately, what this movie winds up being is a, an alien film, an alien invasion movie, and yeah. and you know that's that's not why I love it, um, but it's what got it into this franchise, and it's what <laughs> <laughs> made me go see it. So, yeah, yeah. And, and that's and that to me, that's fine. Like, I don't, I don't know. I think. Sometimes people will say like, oh, well, you're just trying to capitalize on like name name recognition and things like that. You know, what I think is so cool about this is that I feel like some movies will take a familiar name or a familiar franchise and sort of try to capitalize on that success. A lot of times it works. It will bring people to your movie and they, it will make more money. Mm-hmm. And when it, I think 
that technique is cheap is when it's a bad movie and it's just like, oh, it's only, you know, it's only using that name or that sort of to like auto advertise itself. Exactly. But in this case, you know, this storyline or, you know, this story being a part of the Cloverfield franchise really in name and, and I guess, uh, sci-fi genre only, you know, having the alien abduction at the very end, to me, that's okay. Like, I don't mind that because it's a good movie, you know? Like, if Cloverfield Paradox would have just been a good movie about people in space and not tried so hard to not only connect all the stories but explain a bunch of stuff and just wound up being very weird and sort of like – cheesy and seemed cheap and i didn't care about any of the characters Mm -hmm. it Um, was it kind of like it it sacrificed the magic of 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 the mystery behind all of this like there's a reason why they're so secretive about their marketing stuff and it works it like works to enhance these movies and then this movie is kind of like like feels plasticky. It's kind of like, oh, yeah. this is this is really what's kind of happening. This we're going to show you what's behind the curtain, just to you know get you interested and involved. And it's exactly just, it out at all. And what I what I and, and what's so weird about that is that I remember hearing that or reading that Cloverfield Paradox started out as another movie and was reworked to be a Cloverfield movie, hmm. and. It doesn't even really feel like that. It feels more like a a movie that was designed to just explain away and to connect the series because yeah. everything has to be like Marvel. I, again, love Marvel. Those movies are fantastic in my opinion. However, not everything has to be a shared universe. It can mm-hmm. just be different stories that are unique to themselves. Black Mirror did this and it pissed me the hell off. They don't all have to be in the same freaking universe. They can be separate stories. Some people still like that. Mm-hmm. You know? I think – I definitely think that's a fad now. I think it happened like the first few times that it happened in pop popular culture – People loved it. They got mm-hmm. so excited over it. They're like, oh my God, now I can connect to this and this. And this opens up so many more theories. But I think it's sort of become a tactic to lean on now yeah. to make things interesting. And I think it, it's definitely something that's gotten a little bit stale. Don't you sure. feel like it's limiting? You know? I think that I, I can see the charm. I can understand that if you're a fan of something, uh, let's say like one movie and you happen to see another movie that is completely unrelated, but you see this little like flicker of, of a sign that's, that's related back to the thing that you love. Like that can be fun. That can be exciting. And unexpected. Well, that was, that, that's like this in the first one. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, like I think, I don't know. I just, that's again, fun. I think it's a, I think it's a, it's become, it's becoming stale. I think because I think what a lot of people are doing now is they're doing it just to do it. There's really no rhyme or reason. Yeah. Of They're just like, oh, I can add this little thing in to make it look like, to make it seem like these are in it. But it, it doesn't add any substance to the thing. It's just, it's just a little extra sprinkle of. So that's what uh, Paradox or Cloverfield Paradox took it as an opportunity to say, okay, we're going to connect these stories yeah. and we're going to explain how they could be, because I mean, honestly, they, they explain it with like opening 
portals to other dimensions and things like that. Yeah, so it's yeah. like it's not really taking place in the same universe, but in the same, I guess, reality. Mm-hmm. But but it shatters it, that mystery. It shatters that yeah, magic. But it's, it's just like giving me answers to things I don't need. You yeah. know what I mean? That's why I, I'm. It's the same reason why I'm not like the hugest fan of like prequels. It's like I just you don't have to explain everything away. Sometimes, like you can just leave. Like, if we're not specifically, you know, asking or clamoring to know, <laughs> oh my God, how can this movie and Cloverfield, the original movie, exist in the same universe? Well, who the hell cares? It's just that well, was never, it was never a concern of mine. Maybe not for yours, but I do think that this new way of revealing movies and connecting movies, um, with the first two, I think it did open a floodgate of interest. I think a lot of people dove super deep into this this world, and and I think with the success of the second one, it was booming. It was it, I think it was a lot bigger than maybe a lot of people expected, and I think they, much like Hollywood does, wanted to take it, run with, ran with it, and ultimately like ruined it. Um, yeah. Well, I again, I still have. I hope Paramount still has the rights to these. They're not just getting funneled into Netflix. I don't yeah. I don't have much I this is terrible to say. I don't have too much faith in the franchise anymore. Uh, but we'll we'll see. We'll see. We'll definitely see. That's funny cuz like I think I love the first, the second one so much that I still like I still am there's hope. I, I mean, I love hope. the first one so much, and I love the second one, but the third one just made me think that they are going in the complete wrong direction. Well, I mean, we have two – well, we have three completely different movies, and maybe we'll get another completely different movie, and it'll be successful. I don't know. Well, I, but like I said, it looks like they're going to try to do a sequel to the first one, which, yeah. I, I again, I don't – it doesn't matter to me anymore. I just I – just, I'll, I'll be excited when it happens and it looks like, you know, if, if, if the past is anything, it's probably going to be a situation where it'll sneak up on us. Yeah. So it's not like I'm going to be waiting for several months to, um, <laughs> but like, I think with Marvel, those movies, the reason why it became serialized, the reason why, it needed to be one movie after another in a sort of anthology that all connected was because they ultimately that the first goal they had was we want to make an Avengers movie. So we, what we have to do is we have to introduce all of our Avengers first. Mm -hmm. So you get an Iron Man, a Hulk and a Captain America and a Thor and Iron Man two trying to all sort of introduce these characters going into uh, Avengers, and because that was so successful, then it, it kept going, and they all kept getting more movies, and they introduced new characters, and like, if you want to have a team up movie, that's something you need to do, right? It needs to sort of be a shared universe, but like, with a movie like this, it's not like we were clamoring or whatever. I still wouldn't be even. I don't think like. If 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 Cloverfield Paradox had a, had been a great movie and sort of had you know explained this the right way, I wouldn't be clo- I wouldn't be clamoring for like a oh I, I hope the monsters from the first one 
meet the monsters from the second one and like they're all it just it serves a different purpose these movies were like seemed like they were almost designed to be standalones you know they were it doesn't go they blow up new york at the end of the first movie like yeah i just think i don't know i think there was a lot of questions that i feel like people wanted to make answers for i think maybe oh if we answer these questions this will be popular this will you know this will be successful is i i truly think there was a lot of buzz like once once the uh once it was confirmed that this was a part of this original movie once once the second was once the second one was confirmed that it was you know a a, a part of the first movie it opened up this whole universe it opened up all of these questions and and what I think, and I think people were like, "Oh, let's give them the answers," and it just that's yeah. not that wasn't the way to do it. That wasn't the way to go about it. What I think in my head it opened up was like, "Oh my god, we're gonna get a Twilight Zone esque movie series where they'll yeah, all that's be that yeah, they'll be, all yeah. be like about aliens or about sci fi in one way or another, but they'll all be separate." And they won't have to all fit together because, again, it's just you waste too much time trying to sort of explain away and, and throw in little little Easter eggs and things. It's just like – to me, that just isn't – for this franchise, it just doesn't work. Oh I get my it, God, I get it. This is going to be like the longest take two we've ever done. <laughs> I was just about to wrap up. I was going to say it, 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 it did certainly deflate the magic of the first two. Um but yeah, we're not here to talk about the disaster that was the third. We love the second one. We loved watching that. And I can't wait to dive into it. Any last remarks? Um, mm, um, let me think. No. Take three. So we are reporting live from Jordan's basement. Yep. And... I'm gonna kill him down here. <laughs> it's it's very cold. <laughs> Welcome to my bi-weekly struggle. No. Once every two weeks. That's bi-weekly, I believe, right? But isn't that every two weeks? Or bi curious? No. I don't <laughs> I don't know. Such an idiot. How should we get past this? We should just talk about this. I I had fun researching. I did too. I um my research kind of freaked me out a little bit because you know I talked about okay, uh, full disclosure. Uh, if we reference something that's in the first two and it actually gets cut out of the first two, just you know, don't worry about it because I have not edited take one or take two yet. So oh, uh, we might reference something that you guys <laughs> might never hear. But whatever. Yeah. So. I was like really super interested suddenly in doomsday preppers and <laughs> I think I might be one now. So Damn. I'm really going to need to like get over my fear of guns and get over my fear of like, you know, pull-ups <laughs> and uh, like these people are hardcore. What's a pull-up? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> You're joking. <laughs> no. What's a like a diaper? Isn't that what that's called? A, like pull, a pull-up diaper? No, like a pull-up, like a like a 
like you're grabbing your arms. Oh my god! Are oh, you like the joking? exercise pull up. Yes. Why? What? What does that have to do with doomsday prepping? So that like you're like working f- out and stuff. These people are like freaking like this one. Okay, we'll get into it. But is that what you? Is that what you want me to talk about first? I don't. I don't care. I'm just curious to know why pull ups are so important. For, <laughs> no, it was just like a, like a fear of. Like actually doing pull-ups. Okay, there's this. <laughs> Still don't know why that's relevant. Okay, I watched this show called Doomsday Preppers, and I watched like a bunch of episodes. And there was this one girl, and she was our age, right? Uh-huh. And she's like, "I'm a Doomsday Prepper because there's going to be an oil crisis uh, overseas. Is going to or like the the Middle Eastern countries that have oil are going to uh, or could possibly." cut us off mm-hmm. and we could deplete our oil supply even though Canada and Mexico are very very big suppliers of our oil and we make a lot of or we I guess generate or however you make oil I don't know drill I'm not a doctor typically um, but <laughs> it's drilled yeah sure <laughs> okay so basically she was saying you know we're gonna get fucked because we've we're gonna run out of oil and so like there was this girl <laughs> that She's just – she's like, I love, like, cocktails and hanging with my friends, but I'm also a doomsday prepper. And she lives in this, like, like urban apartment, and she's like, my guest bedroom is, like, full of all these things. And she has all these bags that are – they're called um, – they have a bunch of different names, but there's, like, bug out bags. Bugging out is, like, having to leave your home and either take off on foot or, like, in some sort of safety car – and get out of the situation. And you it's know like what I mean? a kit that has. Yeah, yeah. Like, like flares and weapons and all that shit. And a pull up um, bar. <laughs> yeah. No, but she, she works out like four hours a day, six days a week. To for be the sole like, purpose of being yeah, ready because, for the because one thing that, that she's noticed is that like, I think she lived in like Texas or something. And she's like, you know, it could get dangerous for a woman down here. You know what I mean? Like uh, it would be really easy to somebody to overpower a woman. I, that is something that I've never checking my privilege right now. That is a great point. Yeah. And she, I mean like, Oh my God, she has cats, right? This is, this is what blew my fucking mind. (laughs) Do the cats do pull-ups too? Please tell me. (laughs) Yes. Here's a cat size. Yes, they're very. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so her and her boyfriend were talking I guess, like, about, you know, what's the sort of plan if this, when this happens and what they're going to do with their cats. And they were like, we just both agreed that we would, we would put a bullet in their heads. The cats? Yeah, because cats aren't useful in a situation like this. So they just shoot them and they had, they've had long, nice lives and they spoiled them. So they would just shoot all their cats. It's a lot of bullets. If you, you got to figure if you have to have like nine bullets for each cat, then. <laughs> That was the dumbest joke. Oh ever. my god, you're on fire <laughs> tonight. <laughs> Jeez. Damn. So basically it's just a show about, you know, a few doomsday preppers every episode. And not only do, does it show, you know, the the links that they go to, but it also has a guy that sort of comes in and assesses, you know, this is what you're doing right and this is what you're doing wrong, which I thought was pretty cool. Wait, so there's a doomsday prepper expert that it's not even – it's like the narrator. So I'd imagine there's some producer saying like, oh, this is right and this is wrong. I mean like okay. – I don't know. It's a Nat Geo show, National Geographic. Uh, I would have thought that this was on like TBS, like the same channel. It's like Toddlers and Tiaras or something. TLC? That's what I said. <laughs> OK. <laughs> so it would be like the one sort of component that 
that I think takes it off of TLC is the ending where it like tells you like, hey, this is what you're doing right. This is what you're doing wrong. This is almost like sort of like a guide for these for oh. these. You know what I mean? So you can try it at home. Kind of, okay. but like at, what I thought was really interesting was at the end of th- at least the one that I watched all the way through because I like watched a bunch. They're like an hour long, so I watched a, a bunch of different little vignettes. But I watched like the season or I guess the series premiere all the way through. And at the very end of the episode, the narrator came on and said, oh, "Okay, so here's the likelihood of these natural disasters or these things actually happening, and they were actually like much lower than these people were saying." Right. You know, so it was like, maybe you shouldn't panic. You know what I mean? But like, I can understand the idea of like wanting to be prepared. And it sort of made me think about Howard Mm -hmm. being prepared. And then I was like, okay, let me think about the layout of his bunker. One thing that they said was that it was not a good idea to keep food all in the same place because if there was like an attack somewhere on your food or someone broke in, it would be very easy. Yeah. These people had that makes sense. You know, 15 years worth of food for 22 people in yeah. this room. You know what I mean? And on the they, show, you mean? Yeah, yeah. And they clocked them for it because they were like, you know, uh, if you guys are planning for an earthquake or something like that, it's in one side, you know, it, it could be a disaster and it could screw up all your food. Mm-hmm. And I think the guy's response was like, we wouldn't care because if something happened to our food, we'd probably be dead. You know what I mean? Like if there was – if somebody came in and and was able to take our food away from us, they would have either shot problems. us or – Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But, um, that makes sense. So the food shouldn't be all in one. That's fascinating. This is making yeah. me like – damn, you're already converting me. To a, to a doomsday problem? Yeah, it's like – it's like this sounds just like a good idea, like just it's, in case. It's, yeah, it, there's like different levels of it. Like I, I would think it's it's the type of person that keeps like road flares and things like that in your car when, you know, if you need it. It's like being – I'm really terrible about that. Like I'm not prepared for the majority of things that life could throw <laughs> at me. So doomsday prepping to the degree that these people do it is a lifestyle choice i mean that is like i mean it is like like all consuming for them i mean this there was this one guy that lives about 10 yards off of a highway right Mm -hmm. and he basically he has this giant building of a house but he's fully aware that if something happens he will be a very prime target because people will, will basically maybe break down on the highway or there might be a standstill if there's some sort of like emp or something um, electromagnetic pulse from the sun. Yeah. That was another one people were worried about. <laughs> but basically this guy was like, he spent all his time, he spent like the whole episode talking about weapons. He's like, I will defend my house. People that come to me will be met with non-lethal measures. And if they don't comply, they will be met with lethal measures and I will shoot them. And he was showing them like this gun that's supposed to be manned by four people. He like was making it so he was like altering it. So like modifying or whatever the word is so that it could be used by one person. And like these people are really serious Mm -hmm. and it sort of makes Howard's look less realistic, I guess, or seem less realistic. But I don't necessarily think that that's like a fault to the movie because I I think at least in my eyes, I mean, before I was watching this, I don't even know how old the show is, but before I was sort of paying attention to this show, I was like, oh, that's really smart. They they got every detail. Mm -hmm. I think to the layman, this bunker seems pretty set. I mean, he has 
you know, a, a lot of really, I mean, he on, even has acid to dispose of things. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, well, yeah. Yeah. I have a point about that later. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I do. But, um, oh, well, let's start talking. I mean, I'm, this is just me gawking at this show. I don't really like, <laughs> this was a really big advertisement. TLC. I mean, um, a TBS, well, you national geographics. Pay us. Uh, I don't know if it's still <laughs> running or not. I just found them on YouTube. They're really freaking interesting. Yeah. Oh my God. This is even the best part though. This really isn't even about uh, Tinkler or Phil Lane, but it's just, I mean, it's our show, so we don't care. <laughs> or I certainly don't. Um, the, the the ads, you know, because I normally will get like, you know. Squarespace. Ad, and, or yeah, Verizon ads yeah. or Game of Thrones ads or something <laughs> like that because everything I watch is Game of Thrones now. Um, <laughs> and this, like it immediately started, it, there was this advertisement for this thing called an EMP and it, it was I mean it's our EVP something basically it was this there was like this surge protector for a house and there was this guy sort of talking about it and he was like you know your your house is protected even in like the most dire of circumstances and I'm like oh it's just like um you know it's an electrical thing like this isn't that weird and then they were like when they said dire of circumstances or whatever it was like that atomic bomb image you know what I mean like the smoke cloud the mushroom, the cloud. mushroom cloud yeah and I was like oh wow <laughs> I have crossed over into like a new side of YouTube that I wasn't aware of and they changed the ads for me right then and there right, well like there was nobody you know there was nothing from Verizon anymore or anything like that the Verizon doesn't exist in the apocalypse so You're right that's, that's oh well, let's be honest <laughs> they will but just after they'll hide underground somewhere yeah but that is that is like i think the craziest thing to think about to me is that like the, the people were talking about how you know if something like that happened i mean if literally the sun just spit out one of those emps or whatever like if you don't have cash on your on your person your cards won't work. Your your cars won't work. Mm-hmm. Your phone won't work. Like, that is terrifying. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's more terrifying than alien invasions. No. Like, no, because, like, think about it. Like, I feel like the the world's, um, like, firepower. We have enough firepower to, like, take on some aliens. Have you not seen, like, Independence Day? Yeah, I get that's a uh, true story. No, you haven't seen Independence Day. You just asked me <laughs> I've seen a classic. The answer is no. That's but I not, trust you. It's not. <laughs> oh, it is a cl- Maybe it's okay. I mean, it's a, it's like a it's like a like people like it. It's not like a popular a f- culture movie. Yeah. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to be sparing with how I use the word classic, but I think it, honestly to me like a classic is just like you know something someone remembers fondly or a, a large group of people there's cult classics and all that stuff so I don't, that's not a big deal i just i to me it's a movie where like will smith is being will smith and there's a lot of not great cgi and i love will smith <laughs> i love seen, jeff goldblum i've seen enough parodied of that movie to get the general gist and i oh, i've yeah, seen the whole big, the iconic white house beam explosion yeah that's the right movie, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I've seen the movie. I'm not. I'm not we're not like in a rush to watch <laughs> that. But okay, talk about something that you. So did. going a lot of the research that I found focused heavily on Howard's character, and the research that I did 
made me focus on the movie in a completely different way. And it made me realize the next time that I watch this movie, I will not like see it the same way. And I'll explain why. Basically, knowing what we know about Howard, he is a conspiracy theorist. He may or may not have a daughter named Megan. He built a bunker to protect himself from extraterrestrial or like nuclear invasion, what have yeah, you. Yeah. But like there are so many more smaller hidden between the lines details about that. Toward the beginning, Michelle stumbles and Emmett like goes to like jumps to help her and he and Howard snaps. He's like, don't you touch her. Keep your hands to yourself. Yeah. The moment Michelle touched Emmett's hand at the dinner table, that's when he got up and like held her against the wall. He flipped out. He flipped the fuck out. And if we look at this movie from Howard's perspective, it becomes a completely different story. It, It like it very well could have been. A man who's been hurt and abandoned by his family for reasons unknown. I mean, I think I feel like we will realize that he's like a little bit crazy. Yeah. Um, so I can understand, you know, a wife taking her daughter away from him. I mean, it could have even stemmed from like this doomsday prepping. I mean, you know who knows? I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. That, I'm, I can imagine that there are couples where it's like the woman's like, oh no, <laughs> this is a deal breaker. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it is, it, it becomes their life, you yeah, know? Yeah. Okay, keep going. That's awesome. No, uh, yeah. Uh, like, so he's this, he's this like, sad, lonely man. Maybe a pedophile? Like, I think I think that's kind of clear with his interactions in this movie with, with Michelle. And he's sort of searching for this missing connection, this daughter or young companion that he can quite literally, quote unquote, own and control. Yeah. He builds a bunker to abduct said girl and trap her completely undetected, considering, like, the only person that knows about this bunker is Emmett, who helped build it. So we know a girl was there before Emmett entered the bunker because we know that the, the previous quote unquote Megan, I've heard, did they say that she had a name? Was it Brittany or something? I, think you know was, what? I feel like that's what we called her in take two. Yeah. And okay. I'll keep that in okay. or not. Maybe it doesn't matter. <laughs> but now her, her name is Brittany, the girl that you're only phoning like, to high Emmett, school with. Yeah. That Emmett recognized. Or his sister went to high school with her. Yeah. He knew that that was not his daughter. Megan. Correct. Correct. And we know that she was there because she left the earrings, she left the the SOS message in that that little airspace. And it was only until an actual emergency happened that Howard and coincidentally Emmett needed to use the bunker. And it's very clear that Howard really doesn't want Emmett in the bunker at all. Like from the scenes that were previously mentioned and the fact that Emmett like injured himself trying to get in. Yeah. I think he's very, very against Emmett being in the bunker. But it's also like, at least from my perspective, that Howard Shore was like annoyed at him, but he only killed Emmett when it was like to Howard. It's like, oh, Emmett's going to try to hurt us. Well, okay. Like I'll, I'll kind of, I suggest if you've seen this movie, Go watch it with the perspective of this being Howard's story and not Michelle's. Because like you, if you, you've seen the, the movie, you know what happens, you get the general gist, you know the twists and everything, but like it's really a different experience if you look at it from Howard's perspective because the whole time we're focused on Michelle and her experience with this like crazy, crazy man, but it gets way deeper than that. Like he refuses to call her a woman. He, he keeps calling her by like child and princess and he's sort of, made her like his surrogate daughter in a way. Yeah, it seems like he's preserving this sort of ideal of this weird fucked up fantasy with Michelle. That's Well, that's I think that's the thing. I think that's what he wanted. And that's I guess my point with this is like I feel like he built this bunker maybe even before he thought that the world was going to end with the intention of 
hiding out in a safe space with a girl so that he are, can completely control. You were saying that this was his rape spot before it was his bunker. Maybe. Maybe it was a dual thing. Maybe yeah. he figured if the doomsday does come, I'm going to go find myself a girl that I can live the rest of my life with in this in this tiny little home that I've constructed. I can you know, put on this facade that I saved your life, so now you owe me kind yeah. of thing. I guess that was my point. I think that, I thought that was an interesting perspective. But then here's this other character, Emmett, who's kind of like an ally to Michelle. And yeah. that, that, you know, does not sit well with. I'm definitely like, going to watch this again. Right. It, it definitely twists your perspective of the movie. It's 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 a fresh perspective. I, and I thought that was. That is very that is, interesting. It's very interesting. And if you look at it that way, Emmett kind of indirectly saves Michelle's life without with like without even knowing it. Like this wrench yeah. that he he was in this plan of Howard's, um, he became like a friend slash collaborator slash ally to Michelle, uh, which kind of fueled Howard's hatred even more. It kind of became this threat. Like you're kind of inconveniencing this dream life that I had in this bunker. Exactly. That's why he didn't hesitate to shoot him, and that's why he immediately goes to hold Michelle when it happens, and he's like, you're safe now. It's just us. He was going like, to hurt us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He was trying to assure her that everything was okay and that he can, like, protect her. And then when he comes to see her, he's all clean-shaven and, like, in a nice suit, and he's he's offering to have dessert before dinner, which is, like, every child's number one dream. Yeah. So it's, he's very much putting her in this, like, you're my daughter now position. Yeah. And... Um, <laughs> And like you are my, like he shaves and I it's already that is so gross to me. It every is when I think about it. It is gross. But going back to what we said about take two, there was actually a lot of discussion and a lot of back and forth in like some of the forums that I researched about people saying no, this was not a sexual thing. Yes, this was a sexual thing. No, this was really just. I'm on the side. I don't think it was sexual. Why did he like shave and get all like sexy? Because uh, I think John Goodman. I think thing. he was finally able to. Now that Emmett was out of the picture, he's like, okay, I can relax. I can breathe easy. I can finally like woo this girl into into thinking that into like she's bed. safe. I don't know. I don't think. I don't think it was that. I don't think it was sexual. It's still very twisted. Still very wrong. Like she, he abducted this woman. That's not okay. But I don't. I truly don't think his intentions were sexual. I will never know. But I, I, I think I'm on the side of it was purely like a, a paternal need for his daughter to come back, or maybe he didn't even have. It didn't even have a daughter. I don't know. I don't <laughs> yeah, know. he didn't have any daughter. That I'm thinking. I'm maybe. trying to think of back to the scene where Emmett was talking about Brittany. I don't know if he said that's not Megan or like. Yeah, I think that's what he like. Her name's not Megan. And all well, he was really, it was it that's not Megan or her name's not Megan or her name's not Megan because if it was the first one then it's like oh I know Megan and that's not her but if it's the second then it's like no that's her I know that girl that girl's name is Brittany I don't, even I don't remember, remember if it was yeah. like confirmed or not they had a daughter but I'll, I I just know that like Howard is really only says like Megan's not with us anymore you know yeah. what I mean yeah so. I don't even know. Like, I think maybe the first time I watched this, I thought, like, Megan was some girl he killed. This was, like, the first time watching this movie analytically. Yeah. yeah. To be honest with you. And, like, because a lot of times I know that uh, I when, when I took, you know, film appreciation classes and things like that, a lot of people or a lot of professors would tell us, like, oh, we're – we're going to change the way you look at movies and stuff like that. And you're, you're never going to be able to shut that off. 
I can shut that off. Like I like to <laughs> shut that off. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, so, yeah. It's fun to be like a fan sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, but with, with this podcast and particularly, you know, uh, just trying to analyze movies and things like that. This is the first one that I think I was like really trying to piece together. Okay. Does this like fully make sense? All the things that they're alluding to. Mm-hmm. So I follow this guy on YouTube. His name is Covert Film. Well, I don't think that's like his name. <laughs> it's like his YouTube name. That's the name. I don't think his name is like Covert. But um, That'd be a badass name though. I I am a, a fan name. of that name. So he makes. He's like a filmmaker. He makes music videos um, and short films and stuff. But he also did this sort of analysis on this particular movie, and he was talking about like foreshadowing, mm-hmm. and he. It sort of reminded me of stuff that I was taught in school, and he he called it micro and macro foreshadowing. And so, like, macro is setting up something and set up in a a payoff that you sort of, like, will remember. Like, okay, well, let's see. Let's think of one. The, The vent, you know, like the big sort of focus on her traveling through that vent. Oh yeah. And then Which she did twice, I guess. In the exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then she's able to sort of use that vent to escape mm-hmm. or the IV pole, you know, that's sort of at the very beginning, that's something that they focus on. It's something very prevalent in the, in the, in the frame of the camera, you know, that that's something that they are definitely wanting you to remember. And then that actually winds up being, one of the things that they used to make the suit at the end. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he brought up the bottle at the beginning and how, yeah. like, it's literally... The, out, the it's bottle like, of yeah, yeah, it's like 40 seconds into the movie, mm-hmm. and then it pays off in the last frames, and you forget about it. I forgot about it. I was mm-hmm. like... I remember thinking, I think probably the first time, I'm like, that's really convenient that there's just alcohol in that in that truck or whatever. And I mean, it's sort of convenient that she could throw a Molotov cocktail into an alien mouth. But like, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Had they not, I think that's, that's great yeah. that he brought it up because had yeah. that not been shown in the beginning, I think, yes, it would have been convenient. But they, they kind of knew that. Mm-hmm. And was like, we need a way to fix well, this. And so, like, I that's and that's so good. And he or found a solution for it. I don't want to. I don't want to say that like that was a problem. They're like, uh huh. How do we fix this? Let's just put it in the beginning, kind of thing. No, but, I think that there was. Okay, so we we both know this now. Um, this movie was not always Ten Cloverfield Lane. It was yeah. a story called The Cellar, mm-hmm. and they took the script and were like, hey, let's put aliens at the end of this and call it a Cloverfield movie. And it worked. Like, I know that that's not, like, the most sexy story. It, it was, you know, sort of mashed together, but it worked out. It's a great movie. Yeah. But just those sort of beats, he, he talks about a quote that Hitchcock says that the – importance of any specific thing in a movie any specific item or uh should be represented by its size in the frame at that moment so like you know if something's really important give it a close-up you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and even if people don't know why it's important yet it's important like hitchcock's the same guy that says like you have to tell someone or show someone something three times before an audience is gonna like remember it you know so he was always a big proponent of like setting things up and having them sort of go through. It's not, you know, someone's not going to just draw a gun and have a gun. You're going to see that gun earlier. Right. Right. You know, 
what's interesting is, you know, there is a lot of connections and aspects about this movie that are related to Hitchcock. I mean, the fact that we just did Rear Window and that this is another movie that takes place all in one set and relies very much on like drama and like tension and suspense and will set up something. I mean, you pointed this out. I feel like you did about someone. uh, I think it's Emmett mentions that he had a theory. Don't get him. Ta- don't don't get him started about alien space worms or the something space like worms. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was completely right. Yeah, I mean, that's. Yeah. I don't know if that would necessarily <laughs> be considered the macro. There's micro foreshadowing as well. It's like things we don't even necessarily notice, mm-hmm. like ticks that you can only maybe see like on on repeat viewings and things. And those that's the, why those are the ones that are fun to like watch later. Yeah, like the people who pick up on them and are like, oh, they actually spelled this out exactly. for you. Exactly, like no it was coming. Yeah, 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 that's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I just think that there a lot of people will see this movie as, you know, oh, it's just the second Cloverfield movie and the first one's a shaky cam movie about a monster and, you know, this one's just a bunch of aliens at the end and stuff like Like, no, if you take those aliens out, which I am not recommending because I <laughs> love that shit at the end. I think that's really cool. I think it's – yeah. I think it's cool too. I can understand where someone could see it and be like, wow, this is a little bit cheesy. Yeah. But I think it was successful. I just like I like the idea that there was a payoff. Yeah, there was yes, and I there was a uh, I read an article that talked about uh, what is the director's name? Dan Trachtenberg. Trachtenberg. Um, Dan Trachtenberg directed this. There was an interview with him, and he said he wanted Michelle's story to have a payoff. He yeah. wanted it to continue as far as possible. So he wanted to answer the question, well, what happens after she gets out? Mm-hmm. And that's sort of where the inspiration came to add that end scene. I don't think – the alien scene wasn't wasn't the original ending. I read somewhere there was um, – like she and Howard made it out, and she – they had like some kind of fight in the bar, and she shoots him in the knee or something. It was, it was different. It was way different than – Well, so – you know, at the very end of it, Howard winds up being pretty inconsequential. It's at, he's actually inadvertently. I mean, his really fucked up scheme. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's had a terrible like he's done terrible things to her, but inadvertently he provided her with a place yes. to sort of yes be be down there completely until she could come out and and live and live but realize that that he was right and that's why i I mentioned this before like this answers that question was he crazy or was he telling the truth and it's both and that just oh no one ever sees that coming that is just one of the, the best my favorite things about this movie so, like, a lot of people were like, oh, well, of course it's aliens. We knew there was aliens because it's the sequel to Cloverfield. And it's like, I was never 100% sure because it's like I thought that, you know, there's the talk of aliens. This is just a a sort of like a sci-fi thriller that could just be a – like, it's – because it, it's not like it was a – it was the fifth in a series. Like, right. obviously – Cloverfield Paradox, which is the third movie in this, is going to be about aliens because we know the first two were. Yeah. You know, they're not going to surprise us with that aspect of it anymore unless they made one that wasn't. Mm-hmm. But I guess my point is that you know some people were like so like, oh, well, of course it was aliens. I, that, that's not a twist. And it's like, well, the first one was about aliens, but this is nothing like that. Yeah. This is about as far away from the first one as you can get. I think it would be um – I think that's why their marketing kind of comes in handy. I think that's the mystery surrounding 
that oh, yeah. is is plays a big part in this. But that makes me beg the question: like, what next? I feel like you've already. Oh, this is the the God Particle movie, but at the very last minute we're gonna add we're gonna slap Cloverfield onto the title. And I'm thinking, yeah. what if they like released a movie? No one knew it was in any way related to Cloverfield. It like it has one title. Let's say for because I can't think of any other titles. Let's say they pulled out a movie called The God, God Particle, completely unrelated to the third movie. And everyone goes in thinking it's awesome, buys tickets, they sit down in the theater, and the movie opens, and the title card says the God particle, and then it scratches it out and says it has <laughs> something with Cloverfield yeah. in it. Yeah. Oh my God, that theater so that, would be like, I feel like it would be cool. That yeah, would be, uh, my mind would explode if I saw that in the theater. That, that is really cool. So that kind of happened with the Blair Witch movie. Um, I don't know. Like if the you, original one? No, the remake that, or it's not a remake, it's like a sequel. It came out in 2016. It's just called Blair Witch. So the first one's called Blair Witch Project. And I think it's like a sequel. So they were they they advertised that underneath the title The Woods. And uh-huh. it premiered, I think, at Comic-Con or a sort of con. I think it was San yeah, San Diego Comic-Con. Um and they're like, oh, this is Blair Witch. And people were like, oh shit. <laughs> you know, it actually didn't wind up being a very good movie. It That's how a <laughs> It's like it's ringing a tiny, tiny bell, and I feel like I've seen yeah. it and and didn't enjoy it. I have to, I'd have to look at like stills or a trailer or something to be sure. But but like I guess the idea of I, I guess that's just me talking about you know another movie that sort of was like hey gotcha and Tricks. if it's a good movie yeah you know I mean I thought that Cloverfield the Cloverfield paradox, which is what he's calling God particle, that was in, that was the original title of that movie right. So Cloverfield Paradox, I mean, having its first trailer say, oh, it'll be on after the Super Bowl. I mean, that was crazy yeah, to me. Yeah. I remember I was coming here to your house and I didn't go home and immediately watch it. And we watched it the next day. And I was so – I'm so glad we, I didn't like wait. Or yeah. I'm so glad I didn't like rush to watch it. I'm so <laughs> glad I waited because it wasn't – I'm. Okay, so this is funny. The first Cloverfield movie has a 77 on Rotten Tomatoes. This movie that we're talking about has a 90. And then Cloverfield Paradox is a 19. So That seems correct. Yeah. It's just <laughs> oh man, I really hope that they can keep go- keep this keep this momentum going cuz I'm a I'm a really big fan of these first two movies. Honestly, again, I feel like I brought this up in take one or take two, like I, it would depend on the director to be able to take a compelling story yeah. and, and add to it, add to this, this. Well, one of the points I wanted to make is that Dan Trachtenberg not only said that like it was completely a valid uh, possibility that he would return to if, if called upon to do a 10 Cloverfield lane, like follow up. Like continuing really? Michelle's story, but also just another independent story as well. And like, I think he's talented. I mean, this was his first big movie. I would, I'd be yeah. okay with both of those things. He made a short film. I trust him, but that that got him the job. Mm-hmm. But um, I yeah, I would trust I both of too. those stories. Yeah, yeah. and I, I really liked Matt Reeves' first one. I mean, I think a, a lot a lot of people are turned away from that particular one by the shaky cam. You know what I mean? Like by the found footage aspect. But like if you think about back then, it wasn't this giant like like there wasn't paranormal activities and stuff like that. Or at least I don't 
No, uh -uh. Paranormal Activity wasn't out yet. Or at least it wasn't the phenomenon. Okay, so Paranormal Activity came out in... I feel like there was. There was like a a fad at some point. There's certainly a found footage like period. Okay, Paranormal Activity came out in 2007. This um, The first movie came out in 2008. 2008. Right. So... It was not like the phenomenon at that point, or it, it, you know, I think it was like one of the first sort of. It wasn't like the the fad to do. I feel like uh, I think maybe early two thousand tens, and still kind of now, honestly, um, we were in a point where it was just like there were a bunch of really cheap, poorly made sci-fi and horror movies that were like oh let's just do found footage and it's almost seemed like like a crutch or a way to sort of get out of yeah i want to i want to ask a question about that with your film background um i feel like would you so a couple questions going into this would you agree that the first blair witch movie was the first majorly received motion picture that was found footage yeah it's kind. And if, I, if it was not, like, I, I'm not, like, omniscient to say, like, this is the first one that anyone had ever tried. That's why I'm saying, but, like, first, like, majorly received motion yes. picture. To me, it's sort of, like, that was a success. I think that was a success. I still love that movie. I still, like, if no one knew that it was a movie, I would be very convincing that that actually happened. It's terrifying. It is. It's a scary movie. And people thought it was real. Like, yeah. People really did. I mean, this was, you know, back before that kind of thing was like, of course it's not real. Yeah. It's so popular. Yeah, you know, yeah. Everybody does that. Right. So I think found footage is such an interesting genre. Yeah. I don't know if you can even call it a genre yet, but I guess my question to you it's a is method of de delivery, I guess for a film. Right. Yeah. Right. But I think like, I think it's, it's, it, it started and it was perfect. And then someone else grabbed onto the idea, kind of made it their own, and didn't do it as well. And I think now it is kind of becoming a crutch. There have been a lot of found footage movies. Yeah, I don't know that there are – I feel like maybe it's a fad that's dying out now. I'm not seeing as many as before. Well, but maybe not dying out, but I can sort of see it like people are it, – it is an interesting and compelling way to tell a story. I think it, it – Can be. It, well, it can be, yes. I But – it's different, and I think if you are able to do it successfully, it works. I've seen found footage movies that I loved. I've seen much more that I've hated. Yeah, um, me too. But I think it's interesting to see it evolve, how we, we have this, like, one really successful one. Some people try it out and stumble and fall a little bit. Yeah. Maybe we have one gem in, in these, you know, in this pile of dirt. But, like, I'm thinking maybe down the road we'll find a way to perfect it, and it will be a more common way to tell a story. So – do you think – I guess my question is do you ever foresee this becoming a genre? Like do you think there will be a genre out there called found footage? So in the same way that I don't necessarily think that a superhero movie is a genre because it's just – Really? Yeah, because it's just characters. I mean like there are – there are, like if, if anything, they're action movies or like you know, they're comedies or – I mean genres – we've had this discussion. Genre is so like – such a weird term because like people people lock you know a movie into one genre and it's yeah. like you know maybe back in the day when it was like silent pictures and it was like a comedy or or yeah. like Shakespeare it's like a tragedy or you yeah, know what yeah, I mean yeah. it's like no I I don't I don't think that 
genre is like such a, a rigid, strict, you know, binding term anymore. But I, I think that there, you know, obviously like natural ebbs and flows and every sort of right, right. thing. And, um, I mean, if they were to do a follow up, cause this is another thing that they've talked about. If they were to do a like straight up follow up to the first Cloverfield movie and it wasn't found footage to me, that would seem kind of odd. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I I don't know that I would care. It's still I'm still always going to see all these movies. But like, as far as it being able to be a successful medium going forward, movies like Paranormal Activity, mm-hmm. movies like Cloverfield, Blair Witch Project that that try to do something new and inventive with it, versus sort of just lean on like. Oh, it's just I have this camera and it's yeah. like Chronicle. Have you ever seen Chronicle? No, but I know of it. I, so I know. Josh Trank made this movie and it was about superheroes and it's Dane DeHaan and It's like the high school kids, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And they, they get powers. There's three guys that get powers or whatever, and it's shot on different cameras. It's not like it's it's not like found footage like you would think. There's a point in time where one of them is making like he's Dane DeHaan's the bad one and it's like showing you there are all these like phones and different cameras like spiraling around him and it's showing you from all these different angles it was really cool I like that movie like if you use it to sort of push the medium forward yes don't use it as a crutch right and that's I think that's why I asked is because I I think up until now it's always ever been horror or sci-fi with found footage yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything. I've never seen or even heard of a movie that is found footage that is something that's not any of those things. Like, could you imagine a found footage comedy or romance or something? So, like, like I would, I guess I would, I kind of would love, I'd be interested to see what that looks like. I want to see this. Well, found footage is the idea that, like, maybe those people died or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, found footage, like, Blair Witch oh, like, was. Here's a documentation. Exactly. Of, yeah. Blair Witch was like, we found this footage. We literally found this footage, yeah. and the people weren't there. You know? I guess, someone yeah. didn't. Someone didn't, like, tell a bunch of jokes and hand it to us. It was like, we found this in the woods. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. This is, we've gone. Way off topic. This is a this is, we're talking about a different film. <laughs> we are. We've gone way off topic. I just think it's. I don't know. I love discussing. Uh, again, we stuff. can talk about whatever the frick we want to <laughs> talk about. I've said like that for a bunch. I'm going to try to censor myself That's okay. for Jesus. I think we have it listed as explicit. No, but, yeah, we definitely do. And okay. I mean, again, like I don't necessarily care, but Jesus is watching us. Even down here in this dark and scary <laughs> this basement. Is, this is, why this is like the best well lit basement I've ever been in. Thanks. We use a uh, high quality fluorescence. <laughs> oh, I don't know bulbs. Again, I'm not You're a doctor. A <laughs> anyway, did you like the first paranormal activity? Um, yeah, but like it didn't necessarily have the same effect on me because like these people were on Jimmy Kimmel, and like I know people <laughs> thought like, oh, uh, I'm so like I'm so into this. I, I like. I totally believe that's re- it's real, and it's like okay. So like, I don't always claim that this movie is the scariest movie I've ever seen because this one doesn't stick with me like War of the Worlds does, or World War Z is another one that's like really kind of like jarring yeah, and scary. to It's me. scary in the sense that like, oh my god, what if this actually happened? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, but when I first saw, because like uh, now I know that Paranormal Activity was false, but like when I first saw Paranormal Activity, that was the scariest movie I've ever seen. It that's one of the 
only pieces of of work that has kept me awake at night really? like for weeks after I saw yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, it can, you know, just the idea of, like, stuff moving and there yeah. being demons. And, and this question of, like, holy shit, like, this could actually... This this could have been real, and like I've it was a while ago when I saw it. it was probably like middle school high school when I saw it, but um, still I just I think it was jarring. I'm just curious about that. I'm I'm probably gonna get scolded and made fun of and pointed at for for what for being for saying that I enjoyed that movie. No. I don't like the sequels as much. The second one was okay. You have been trying to get me to watch or not trying. Like again, I would watch them if we like made time to sit down and watch all of them, but like. The paranormal activities. I will totally watch those with you. I've never. I've seen the first one and was like, okay. And then, <laughs> I get it. And then um, they released them around Halloween as well. And I, you, I don't know if anyone, if anyone that's listening to this knows me, they know I am a saw, like fanboy Fun junkie yeah. fanatic. Like I worship at the altar of Jigsaw and <laughs> um, and Jesus. Hi, mom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the uh <laughs> so they sort of took a lot of sauce thunder so i like resented them i can see that yeah I like i mean that. it was i don't think it was malicious but <laughs> i <laughs> not intentional felt that way um you felt it was a personal attack. yeah so 10 cloverfield lane i have one last point about this movie uh I, were you finished with your points well i google earthed it um I don't like. I feel like I was on Reddit, and somebody was like, "Hey, check this out." <laughs> Look what I found. Yeah, it kind of looked like like the area. It's in like yeah, Delaware. Yeah, there. I think there are a bunch of ten Cloverfield lanes because it's just a street name. Mm-hmm. But um, if I lived there, if <laughs> this is a long shot, but um, if you live at ten Cloverfield Lane and hear us, please contact us. I want to come visit you. <laughs> And stay in your house for free. It's probably like the most normal house, the most normal family. In yeah, it. yeah. And yeah. they're like, damn, we never asked for this. Yeah. But now we have all this media attention. It's like we shot this in a field somewhere and it was not. <laughs> it wasn't it was also in, based in Texas, the movie. It wasn't even in Delaware. I thought it was in I Texas. I don't know. It was because she turned to Houston or something. I don't know. I don't know. No, it was like we're taking back the Eastern Seaboard. I feel like she was she, – Wherever she was going, it was a while to where she was going. Yeah. She's probably dead. That's You know what's funny? I saw one of the posts was like, clearly whoever wrote this movie did not know how like airborne poisons work. Because if she actually was exposed to it, like <laughs> we don't know. She could have gotten like five minutes down. Because it's not going to take an immediate effect. Yeah. She could be five minutes down the road after she took that turn and like killed herself because she's like <laughs> dead in the, in the car. <laughs> Which I don't like to think about. Like I no, would like yeah. to think that she, she made drove it off alive. into the sunset and everyone's fine. <laughs> Maybe not everyone, but she did. She made the right choice. I guess yeah. I don't know. Stop! I love this movie. No. <laughs> okay. Can I just tell you? I know we talked a lot of shit about um, Cloverfield Park or Cloverfield. The okay. So I thought it was going to be called the Cloverfield Particle because it was the God Particle, but it's called the Cloverfield, Cloverfield Paradox, Paradox, which is a stupid name, but. Um, that movie did something that I'm sort of warming up to, which is the idea of like it, it sort of explained that what they were trying to do was like find resources for Earth's depleting resources. But what they wound up doing is sort of forking off and sending monsters to all these different realities over all these different decades. Right. And it was like, oh, well, now we can visit all these different realities and they can all be – if that's what they do, I'm completely down and like – Cloverfield Particle gets points in my book because like if, if they're like, oh, all these movies can 
the realities where like the world is shattered by an alien attack and they're all different, different worlds. and they're all different and that's cool i'm cool with that that is cool but you'd have to make a success you'd have to make a good movie though like if it were the same people who made the cloverfield paradox yeah i mean like jj will be back but i don't think they're gonna like <laughs> clearly it didn't work i mean clearly they had no faith in this movie they sold it to netflix like yeah. Like last minute, Paramount gave the distribution rights – or not gave them. They uh, traded it for money. But they tr- sent, it, sent it to Netflix and the the newer ones hopefully will not have that happen to them. You know what I mean? Like they're yeah. – it's not like Netflix owns the rights to the Cloverfield franchise. Now. That would be cool to have like this collection of movies that like – all have these different monsters and different like I yeah can get, I and can then get like that and idea. the third movie sort of made sense of it all a little bit yeah I'm okay with that but like they'd have to be good they'd have to be good yeah I mean like I only am for good movies I'm not like for bad ones I'm just saying like I wouldn't want the people who made Paradox to make those movies I feel like they took that guy out back and shot him probably okay, okay. no I'm I'm sure he's lovely <laughs> I, I can't remember his name he had a really interesting name I don't remember it though it was like. Ooh, something with an ooh in it. Are you in it? Ooh is not a letter. We should be respectful to this guy and his... Well, I just talked about them taking him out back and shooting him. <laughs> I know. No, but I'm sure he's lovely. I don't know his name, or but he just he made a movie that just didn't work. But the movie that we're talking about today <laughs> did work. Oh my god, this is like the messiest to take through. It is, it is. But I, I like really enjoyed no, I mean, the, I'm the having a good time. About. Same, same. Do you know a guy named Drama Horror Mystery? No. Okay, well, that's who directed it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> Julius Ona. Ona. Julius Ona. A great uh, A for effort. Um, yeah. Julius. But, and um, he had a killer cast. He did. He did have a good cast. Yeah. He did have a really good cast. It was hard. A, a, a cast that he wasted. Um, okay. <laughs> So that same video before the one that I was talking about, like with the foreshadowing and stuff. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Pointed out this and this was so cool. I thought, okay, so the shower curtain in psycho. Oh no, no, no. We're in this movie. Wow. When she, you know, it shows that you can use the curtain. Yeah. It has the duck in the raincoat Mm -hmm. and he's got an umbrella and, but there's no rain. And he commented that maybe that was like, it was like, this might be a stretch, but like, it's a duck. Already it's a stretch. I'm like, uh, okay, I don't know. <laughs> like standing out in the rain, trying to protect themselves from whatever's up in the sky, but it's like not raining. Being preemptive about it, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. And like preparing for rain. So it's like Howard built this bunker for when it, you know, for when the sky fell. Yeah. And it wound up that is the that is one of the foreshadowings of like, hey, we're gonna show you this big shower curtain and this is what she makes the suit out of. Yeah. You know? Is your mind blown? It, it's that's interesting. I don't know if I buy that, but it's Yeah, he said it was a stretch, but I thought I was like, Oh my god, that's cool. <laughs> Symbolism. I definitely admire Themes, people. Chiefs. I definitely admire people who are able to like do that who are smart enough to pick up on or intuitive enough to do that kind of yeah, stuff i'm I've, jealous i've I worked I with people who put things in their movies that it's like if, if no one noticed this 
I'll notice it. You know what I mean? And like maybe somebody will pick up on it and think it's cool. You I know wish, what I mean? Like, that's another reason why I do this podcast is I want to get better at that. I want to get better yeah. at like connecting things and because I'm just not good at it. I'm not good I think it. it's just it just comes with like again looking at the movie analytically. Yeah. And noticing when you when you think about a movie it's like every single thing they didn't just shoot down in a bunker that already existed every single thing was designed and the majority of people that are worth their salt are like hey let's let's say something or let's let this let's allude to something in our art let me ask you a little bit of a philosophical question about movies i'm gonna go off topic one more time but i think this is well that's like the theme of this episode (laughs) I feel like I, I research all these movies and I kind of look into the brains of the directors and the cinematographers. Yeah. And I keep seeing these things like, oh, this is why he chose to do this. This is why she chose to do that, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. All of the other things that aren't noticed, where does that all go? Like, at what point does a director, like, give away his secrets? Like, when... Do you th- like will we ever get to a point where like directors will be more transparent about their decisions? Like, why is that? It seems like it's so hidden. It seems like I kind of slid this in there for effect. It just depends on the filmmaker. I think like the person that immediately came to mind was James Gunn. He directed uh, <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy one and two, uh-huh. and infamously is not going to direct the third one. <laughs> okay, but he would always talk about how there was like so many easter eggs in his movies Mm -hmm. and that there were ones that people have never gotten yet and it's like if you just tell everybody everything then you're sort of like kind of ruining it for the people who want to rewatch it you're revealing the magic i get that exactly get that but i guess like from an academic perspective from someone who wants to study this like I want to know. I want to know. Well, there like, are a lot of people who do know and do look at movies and sort of have exhausted the the charm. The well, no, just uh, have ex- have exhausted films of like this is all the meaning. I swear, I took a film appreciation class. It was my first semester in college, and I love this teacher. He's a great teacher. He would stop. We would watch a movie, and we did. We we had like a two and a half hour class. Mm-hmm. Two hours and 45 minutes. And he would stop a movie so much that we couldn't even get through it. Right. Because every moment he'd be like, and look at this. And look at this. Yeah. look at this. And look at this. And look at this. So like a lot of times it's like subtext that's not even not even purposeful. And that's – I guess that's another thing is like I, I see all this speculation and all these people are like, oh, I picked up on this. I'm, I'm dying to know – if it was intentional, if like if that yeah. really was why the director chose to do that or why the cinematographer chose to shoot it that specific way. I know that you're not big on like extra like bonus features because it sort of takes the magic out of it. But like commentaries on on, – on, I recommend this to everyone. If you actually still like buy Blu-rays or DVDs or I, I think even if they – if you buy it on – Like digitally like, on uh, Like on iTunes, iTunes or something. I know like shows, YouTube yeah. doesn't give you jack shit but no. like – um, iTunes will. I can. Go I, yeah. So they, if if you want to learn more about a movie, watch the comment or you know watch it with the commentary. Yeah. I used to love doing that. Rob Zombie is one of my favorite. I know that's really unpopular, but I love Rob Zombie. <laughs> Talk about a cult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He makes movies just for him. He doesn't give a <laughs> damn what anybody thinks, and he's like, Good for him, this though. really, yeah, it, he yeah. really just does not care. But he makes he makes really cool like. Um, 
uh, like sort of making of featurettes and he does commentaries on his movies. And it's just like so fascinating to hear a filmmaker talk about their work. It's like an artist talking about their painting. Right. And like, I guess that was the answer. That's what I was looking for. That's really what I wanted. Um, I haven't done that before. I really should because that's a great idea. Um, I think going back to me hating the, like I hate it when I see actors talking about like, oh, it was so fun to play this character. And here, let me show you behind the scenes of like. I don't always always feel like it's like it was so fun to do that. Like I've been, okay, so I've recently binged watched Game of Thrones to get ready for the new Mm -hmm. one with you. You're not, you don't act surprised. Oh, oh, uh, right. That's right. Uh Yeah. Okay. um, So I've suddenly am like super excited about Game of Thrones and I'm watching, you know, seven seasons worth of like behind the scenes stuff and, and stuff that I'm really like super stoked about. And it's like people talking about, you know, what their character's thinking and how they feel and stuff. It really can like give you a sort of a, a good behind the scenes featurette can give you a sort of added layer of uh, intellect and add a layer of like intrigue into yeah, the story. I get that. I guess like if it's, I like, that's why I don't like bloopers a lot. Like unless it's like Parks and Rec or like Friends or something, but don't show me Bellatrix Lestrange like joking with Dumbledore on set. I don't want to see that. Don't, don't like rip me out of this world that you've established by showing me like the good side of Helena Bottom <laughs> Carter. You know what I mean? Maybe like, now, like maybe like I can understand like not, not right then when you're still like reeling from what had happened yeah. between all these characters and stuff. But like now, like I just now think, it would probably be okay. But yeah. like, I guess if just, it were to like follow a movie or if I were to rent it and then just immediately watch, I would hate, I yeah. hate that. I hate well, like, it. I mean, none of these movies are documentary. I mean, well, no. I mean, there, uh, there is such a thing as a documentary, but these movies that we're not, we're not talking specifically right now about documentaries. They were all, you know, on set. There was laughter on set. There yeah. was, you know, people, getting into the minds of their characters. You know, I, I love it. I think it's so fascinating. Mm-hmm. And speaking of that, there are some actually pretty decent ones of either like through like there's featurettes and on like junkets of Mary Elizabeth Winstead and John Goodman talking about this film. Really? Yeah. I'd actually really love to. It's just, it's just like that. another layer of the movie. I get that. You know? I get that. I need to be, less of a snob about that. My last point, I, I'm probably going to advertise this as like, this, I feel like this would be a good like first episode for someone who's maybe just finding the podcast. Well, we kind of cover a wide array of movie I think, stuff. But, uh, with with this podcast, it's just like, have you seen it? <laughs> Watch it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, sure. I like, I, this is fun. This is fun. Was um, that your last point? That's not my last I was point. like, it's way to go out on a strong note. And it's like, it, this isn't even, it's kind of like a quirk. I'm um, going to judge this. If it's not good, I'm going to flip your computer over. We're going to start over. Don't, this is, don't do that. Um, okay. I found, this was like on one comment of like a million comment thread on Reddit. Someone brought up the connection with the Golem of Prague. It is like a Jewish story. I don't want to call it a legend, I don't think that that's what it's classified as. But Dan Trachtenberg is cited as a director who pulls inspiration from movies and directors like like Rosemary's Baby, who was directed by Roman Polanski. Good job. Who 
I, t- I didn't know that. I, that. <laughs> okay, but, I was but, like, good um, for you. But he is a Holocaust survivor. Yeah. Um, and uh, like Steven Spielberg, who is also Jewish, I believe. Spielberg sounds yeah, Jewish. I'm pretty positive he's Jewish. And he claims, rightfully so, I think this is a really good point, that there's a lot of like Christian horror out there. You take the exorcism, you take the omen. Yeah. Um, and he he's, he's kind of like, there's really not a lot of... Like, let's explore Jewish horror, maybe. Wow. Yeah, you're right. I don't know of a Jewish horror movie. Right, right. And this, I wouldn't call 10 Cloverfield Lane, like, a Jewish horror, but I think... (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah, you're right. This this, uh, Golem of Prague thing is something that he kind of slips in there, which I think is really cool. And I think that there's so much glaring evidence in this scene that I'm about to talk about and his inspiration that, like, I would bet my savings that this was completely intentional. I don't think that this was, like, a coincidence or anything, but... Um, before I dive into this, I want to apologize to any of our listeners who are Jewish. I mean, no disrespect whatsoever if I butcher this story. And if there's anyone out there who can give me like a better clarification on this story, please reach out and I will definitely correct myself. Like it was something I couldn't find one clear story about. It was sort of like a bunch of different stories that I kind of had to patch together. But yeah, so you know, you, a bunch of angry Jewish people. Yeah, I hope not. I hope not. On, on the Facebook page, you're <laughs> like, "What the fuck?" I don't want to offend. Like, truly, if like, reach out to me and let me know where I where I messed up. I will be happy to correct myself. But re- anyway, golem. If you're unfamiliar, it's any kind of creature that is built or made from like dirt or rocks or like just earth in general or mud. So those like little guys in Frozen. Maybe. Those little rock guys, they look like golems. Yeah, when I think of golem, I think like mud, like a The mud Pokemon? Man. No. It's just Pokemon named Golem, he I is. think. But like, I think, think um, of like a man sized man made of mud. That's what I think of when I think of golem. Ah, I see. It's like mud and rocks and sticks and earth. Um, and I think the lore is that it's sort of, they're made to be servants for holy officials like rabbis and stuff gotcha um and they're brought to life by writing a word on their forehead or writing a word on a piece of paper i believe and like putting it in their mouth like that's how they build this mud thing and then they they bring it to life (laughs) there's a particular rabbi his name is rabbi Loeb, i believe and he brought this particular golem to life and it was known as the the golem of Prague. and the intent was to create a a creature to sort of battle any kind of anti-Semitic ideologies or behaviors, anyone who was like against. So like you telling this story that he would have sent. I'm just fucking with you. I hate you. I hate you. It's a long story, but it it has an ending, I promise. So this rabbi made this golem and to activate it, he had to write the words E-M-E-T on his forehead. Emmet. Ah. In Hebrew means like truth. It means truth, apparently. Hey, that guy in this movie, his name is Emmett. Yeah, yeah, but it gets deeper. You ready? And to deactivate the golem, apparently you wipe off the E and it becomes M-E-T, like Met, and that means death, apparently. That's what I read. So this coincides with the dinner table scene when he's talking about tattoos. And he said, oh, man, I just have a full body of tattoos, and I would just write my name on my forehead if I could. (gasps) Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So maybe this was like a subtle way for the audience to, like, trust Emmett, like, like this is the one that like this is this is the guy who's gonna protect us. That's really cool. Yeah, I I thought so. I, did it pay off? Yeah. Okay. Now I kind of want to convert to Judaism and like <laughs> learn stuff. I can be Jewish. Yeah. Yeah. I, anyone. I feel like anyone could. Yeah. Jewish, except for maybe. There's a lot of like stuff you have to do though. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like, like learn a whole bunch of stuff you know, from like the Hebrew Bible or whatever. I don't know. But I've also heard that maybe the golem represents Howard because the golem of Prague is rumored to be inspiration for Mary Shelley's Frankenstein because the, the golem became sort of too powerful and violent that it became a danger to the civilians of like the city of Prague, I guess, which kind of reflects Howard and how his overprotective nature does more harm to himself and the people around him than, than it does good. And I think obviously Howard is much more sinister and, and twisted with his intentions to protect, which is why I prefer Emmett's connection to this golem. But I think that was super interesting. I thought that, that was That is like, really cool. Yeah, yeah. Like clearly his name was Emmett for a reason. I am done. That was fun. Now we have to run. <laughs> I quit. I fucking quit. <laughs> 10 was a good run, guys. It was. It was. This is a great episode. I hope No, you- 10 episodes was good. I'm done. Oh, oh. Yeah. I'll do this with myself. Too much rhyming. Hey, listeners. Thank you for tuning in this week. We hope you had as much fun listening to this one as we did recording it. This was a beast of an episode, but I think I speak for the both of us when I say that this was the most fun episode that we've done yet. The episode was produced and edited by Nicholas Crawford and Jordan Sato. And if you want to stay updated with the latest news and episodes, please visit us on all major social media sites at Take3AMP. You can also visit our website and listen to all our past episodes at Take3AMP.com. Again, that's Take3AMP.com. If you like this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really does help us get exposure, and it lets us know how you guys are enjoying the episodes. Until next time, happy listening.